This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Well, hi, y'all. Did y'all just blow in? I was talking to Brent McKee, and uh, he runs a truck during the day. He says, yeah, I'm getting two mile an hour going south and about 10 mile an hour going north. I said, well, I hope you're going north more than you're going south. You know, might as well get a little, uh, you know, economy here. But it's so good to see all of you this evening. Praise God. It's great to be in church. I want to welcome all of you that are watching us um, via the Internet. Glad you can join us as well. We're going to have a great Bible study here tonight in the Word of God. It's going to bless you. Praise God. It's going to put faith in your heart. Praise God. You probably want to go down and kick the devil to the other end of the street before it's over with. Hallelujah. Praise God. Y'all bring a Bible with you this morning, this afternoon, this evening. Do any of you have a Bible? Let's do that. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 11, if you can find that opening. We've been talking about walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, particularly during the midweek services. It's kind of morphed into some other things that uh, we've moved on to. Um, but I'm so excited about what it is that Jesus did when he went to the cross and died. Not only did he give us eternal life, but he didn't leave us as orphans. Praise God, he empowered us, he equipped us by his very presence and dwelling presence within us in the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Praise God, to put us over in life. He said, you'll receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you to be witnesses to me. And uh, so he's done just that, hasn't he? I said, he's done just that. I got one grunt out of that deal. (laughs) He's done that, hasn't he? Uh, yeah, good. Praise God. Now, you are going to have to participate. You just can't sit there. I mean, I know it's, you know, hump day, and you're just glad you're where you're at, and you're looking forward to the weekend or whatever, but uh, uh, let's, let's, let's enjoy our being together tonight. Amen? So, um, e- anyway, let's read our text here uh, together. We'll pray, and we'll get into this. Praise God. Father, we love you so much. We thank you, Father. Just as we sung about tonight, Father, you're the one who makes a way where there is no way in our lives. And Father, sometimes things seem so ominously against us. But God, praise God, the Bible says that if you be for us, who can be against us? And so we just thank you tonight for this study in the Word of God. We thank you for faith coming to our hearts. We thank you for encouragement by the Spirit of God, revelation, knowledge, Father, that illuminates our understanding and gives us not only just, not only hope, Father, but real faith to make a difference in our lives. And we thank you for your blessing, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 11, you're familiar with this portion of Scripture, I'm sure. Uh, In chapter 11, verse 12, Jesus' disciples are basically making their way back and forth from Jerusalem, and, and yet at night he was staying in Bethany. And uh, he, didn't, he didn't spend the night in Jerusalem. These were three days leading up to um, his being crucified. And so each and every day he would make his way into Jerusalem for ministry. And um, on one occasion, you'll notice in verse 12, it says, in the morning or on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, the Bible says Jesus was hungry, seeing a fig tree afar off. Uh, having leaves, he came, if perhaps he might find anything thereon. And when he came to this tree, fig tree, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto the fig tree, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And the disciples heard it. And then he went on and made his way into Jerusalem, had that day. Now let's drop down to verse 20. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. Peter, calling to remembrance, said to the master, Behold, he said, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. Everybody say, Have faith in God. Praise God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say to this mountain... Be thou removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. And therefore I say to you that what things soever you desire when you pray, 
believe that you received them and you shall have them. And then finally, he concluded by saying that when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, that your Father also, which is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father, which is in heaven, forgive you or your trespasses. Praise God. A lot said in all those verses. And um, in thinking about it, again, we've been talking about, you know, walking in the fullness of what it is that God has provided for us. And one of the things that we learned is simple fact that everything that we receive from God or from heaven, we receive by faith. Praise God. He is a faith God. He requires faith where our lives are concerned. And of course, when we do that, you know, I mean, um, uh, great things happen. How many of you know it pays to obey God? And believe God. And when I talk about faith in its simplest form, when we read the Bible and it says, you know, to put away lying, and you read that and you say, you know what, God doesn't want me to lie, but he wants me to provide things honest in the sight of all men. So because I believe that this is the will of God, this is something he wants me to do, I'm going to put away lying. I'm going to stop lying. So he's told me what to do so that his blessing can come on my life, but then I am now found responsible to act on or participate in what it is that he said. Amen? That's simple faith. Amen. The Bible says, you know, that we're to do good unto others. That's, a, that's in the Bible. I don't know if you notice that or not. You know, and it says that we're to, you know, love the unlovely. Okay? Now, that's not always an easy one, but it doesn't change what it is that God said. Well, again, when we choose to obey what it is that we learn or hear from the Word of God, when we hear it, faith comes. And then we respond to that and we say, I'm in. And we say, the reason I'm in is because I know this pleases God and I know that with it comes a reward. Okay? Now, I may not always see it immediately, but I tell you what, sooner or later, payday's coming. Hallelujah. So it doesn't cost, it pays to obey God. And so when it comes to our receiving from Him, this same thing is true. We just need to learn how it is that he would have us, you know, to do that. And that's really what we want to talk about here this evening. And uh, so, you know, if you're going to have a relationship with God, it's going to require faith. Amen. And we know from the scriptures that that's what pleases God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is or that he exists and that he is a rewarder. Everybody say rewarder. I like that. Praise God. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Now, you know what? If you've grown up in certain de uh, denominational preferences and backgrounds and church traditions and things of that nature, or maybe you've been out there in a secular world and you don't know a thing in the world about God, some of these things are so foreign to your thinking especially, you know, if you've been led in certain traditions, the traditions of men that are full of doubt and unbelief, that God really doesn't love you, that he doesn't care about you, you're on your own, you know, you never know what God's going to do. Well, you know, we do know what God's going to do. He's going to watch over his word to perform it in our lives. Are you with me? So, you know, for just to make a blanket statement about the mysterious nature of God, I mean, yeah, after all, he is God. We're not going to figure everything out about him, but there are certain things he has revealed to us huh? in the scriptures about his nature, his character, his promises, what he said he would do, glory to God. And so we learn, and you know, this whole thing about, you know, having faith in God is, it's a quest, man. I mean, it's a, it's a lifelong pursuit, and God wants our faith, your faith, my faith, to grow. And the reality is, if you're a child of God, you've got faith. The Bible says He's given you something to work with, glory to God. So it can become strong, it can be wonderful, it can bless you in so many ways. But we have to have faith. Now, let's look at a verse of Scripture as a matter of example, Genesis chapter 15. And uh, <clears throat> notice with me, if you will, here, Genesis 15, 1. This is a, a, an incident that Abram, or actually Abram, not Abraham, but Abram, he hadn't changed his name yet. But in chapter 15, verse 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram. Now, that's an important point. 
What happened with this guy? The word of the Lord came to him. Glory to God. Everybody say, thank God for his word. So his word came to Abraham and in a vision saying to him, uh, uh, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. Or we could say that the word of the Lord came to Abraham and he made this statement in the form of a vision. And he said, listen, I am your protector and I am your provider or your provision. Now, let's go on reading, and then I'll, I'll come back to this and make a point here in just a moment. And then Abram said to the Lord, he says, What are you going to give me, seeing that I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And then Abraham said, Look, I, you've given me no offspring, indeed no one. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. Now notice again, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him, the word of the Lord came to him, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside, and he said, Look now toward heaven, and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall your descendants be. And the Bible says that Abram believed in the Lord or believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. What did he do? He believed the word of the Lord, didn't he? I mean, they had this conversation, you know, and we don't know how that all kind of, you know, uh, uh, came about or whatever the case might be. But in it, you know, Abram was just saying, you know, there isn't anything else in my life. You know, what can you give me? that I don't already have. I have no seed. And he said, you're going to have seed, and it's going to come. And the point that I want to make is, is that at this moment in his life, he chose to believe. Amen? What it is that God had said to him. Now, what's interesting about this is, is God reveals himself to him. He says, listen, I'm your shield, and I'm your exceeding great reward. I am the one who protects you, and I am the one who will provide for you. Hallelujah. And he did it in a glorious way. But what's interesting about that is God said, I'm your shield. I am your protector. But if you notice, if you read the narrative, and if you see the experience that Abraham had with, with God, he got into a couple places in his sojourning, and he got concerned about Sarah because she was, you know, nice looking. And so he said, you tell everybody that you're my sister so that they won't take my life, kill me, and have you as their wife. What a squirrel? You know, I mean, think about it. I mean, God said, I am your protector. You know, well, it didn't work out so good. Fortunately, God put a stop to some of the things that were about to happen where Sarah was concerned, and, and uh, so his adversaries ran from him. Because I tell you what, God wanted to do something in this guy's life. Why am I trying to say that? Or why am I mentioning this to you? You know, because the walk of faith doesn't mean that you and I are perfect. We're on a quest. This guy, he screwed up. I mean, you know, he didn't have anything to fear. If he'd have really believed that God was his shield, he wouldn't have had to go to lying and tell her to lie and all this and that and the other. Are you with me? But, you know, God worked it out. Thank God for his grace and mercy. Aren't you glad for that? How many of you maybe just kind of fell short a couple times and you're, th and you're glad for his mercy? Amen. So he said here, he said, so shall your descendants be. And the Bible says he believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. And so I mentioned this and I want to come back to it is the challenge that we see so many people having is the simple fact that they don't really understand the nature of faith and how we receive it, how it works. Understand that faith comes one way, one way only, and it's by hearing the Word of God. Now, why is that important? Because we hear so many other things day in, day out, constantly, and it has nothing to do with the Word of God. Amen? 
You know, when, when God was talking to Joshua, he says, if you really want to have good success, then I want you to make it your ambition to meditate in the Word day and night so that you can observe to do according to all that's written therein. Then you'll make your way prosperous, then you'll have good success. So the key to our success is what it is we do with the Word. And all he's really asking us to do is to meditate in the Word. But if you meditate on Fox News half the night, or, you know, some mindless whatever, whatever, then we're really missing out on an opportunity. Can I get a witness? It's really true. You know, because so much of what it is, it's, uh, you know, people are listening to is so far removed from the facts. And not only that, from the truth of God's, God's word. So people don't understand the nature of faith. In other words, what real Bible faith is. And that's what we want to learn, man. I want to find out how I relate to my heavenly father based upon what it is that he said so that I can grow, so that I can develop, so that I can quote unquote walk with him. Don't you? Praise God. So, you know, and here's the thing, you know, a lot of times uh, people You know, Bible faith is not a feeling. It's not a feeling, you know. And and when I say that, I'm talking about some kind of an emotional kind of whatever, you know. And I was was talking with someone here not long ago, and they said, well, you know, I just feel, you know, God. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, you don't, you don't, I mean, yes, he can manifest himself. There's a tangible presence to God, you know, within our lives at times. But, you know, her faith was because of her feeling. And guess what? That's not Bible faith. Are you with me? And the other thing we need to understand is is that Bible faith is not hope. Because a lot of times people will mistake Bible faith for what we refer to or know or understand as hope. In other words, you know, a, a situation comes up in a person's life and many people will be hopeful, hopeful, you know, that things turn out a certain way or whatever. Sometimes they do. Many times they do not. And so then all of a sudden their faith gets dashed on the shores of life because what they thought was faith was actually just hope. You know, you'll hear people all the time say, well, all we can do is hope. Or they may say, well, all we can do is have faith. Well, what's that mean? You know, you know, by definition, faith means that you have a confident and favorable expectation. In other words, another way we could define faith is to simply say that you have a confident trust in what he said. Are you with me? Now, the same guy, Abraham, that we looked at before that had his, his failings, if you want to call it that. I mean, that whole thing with Hagar, I mean, that got us in a mess. I don't know if you realize that or not. You say, what are you talking about? How, do, do you know what I'm talking about? You know, in other words, Sarah gave her uh, handmaiden or servant to, to, to Abraham, and that caused a lot of problems. Huh? Why? Because there's, you know, we kind of want to help God. Well, maybe this is the way we should do it. Yikes. You know what I'm saying? But that same guy, you know, the Bible says that God had made him a father of many nations before whom he believed, even God, that, you know, um, uh, Calleth those things that be not as though they were, who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations. And the Bible goes on to say that he was fully persuaded. Everybody say fully persuaded. I'm telling you what, praise God, that is good news. To be able to be fully persuaded that what God has promised, he is able also to perform. Isn't that good? Praise God, you know, when you're reading the scriptures that God wants to bless your life, he said in his word that if you'll keep his commandments and do the things that are right in his sight, that he'll bless your bread and water. He'll take sickness and disease from the midst of you and the number of your days he will fulfill. That's in the Bible. Well, you know, praise God, you got to come to a place of being fully persuaded that what it is that God said is true. And the only way that can happen is if we expose and expose and expose and expose ourselves to the Word of God so that the revelation of His Word can get down on the inside of us and drive out whatever it is that's causing a problem in, my, in our life. Do you know what I'm saying? We'll go on and we'll use some examples here. You know, for uh, talking about the thing, you know, about... F- people mistaking hope as being faith. Well, in Hebrews 11.1, the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for. So there's a differentiation between faith and hope in that verse of Scripture. 
Faith is the substance. One translation says that faith is giving substance. In other words, it gives substance to what we hope for. And then it serves as the evidence of things that we do not see. That's the other thing about faith. You know, you don't need faith when you get it. You know, you got to have faith until it shows up. When it shows up, you don't need the faith because the faith has already brought it to you. Are you with me? So it's just a matter of understanding that when we talk about faith, we're talking about things that are unseen, and yet we're fully persuaded what he has promised, he's able also to perform. Glory to God. Isn't that good? Praise God. So now here's another thing. Bible faith is not wishful thinking. And that kind of, you know, kind of probably goes along a little bit uh, with the whole thing about hoping. As a matter of fact, you know, (laughs) faith, Bible faith is not of the mind, it's of the heart. Okay? And that's important for us to understand. So, and and, uh, the reason being is, is because a lot of people think they have faith when in fact they're just mentally agreeing with the Bible. Does that make sense to you? Okay, you say, well, no, why don't you tell me some more about that? Okay, I believe I will. Praise God. Look at, uh, turn with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 10, uh, real quickly. Romans, the 10th chapter. You know, if there's anything that I can convey to you this evening is to encourage you to read and meditate and consider and ponder the, the Word of God, the New Testament particularly. Feed on the Bible. Praise God. You know, when Jesus was just a young child, he was in the temple or in the synagogues listening to them read the Word of God. He knew more about the Bible than they did. Amen? You know? And so we can follow in his, we can follow his example. Notice here in Romans 10, you know, uh, Paul is talking about, well, um, he's talking about uh, justification. He's talking about righteousness before God. And he's making reference to the fact that Israel, they had a zeal for God, but it was not according to accurate knowledge because they were going about to establish their own righteousness and hadn't submitted themselves to the righteousness which is of God. And so the righteousness which is of faith, everybody say faith, you know. I mean, a lot of folk, they're trying to work their way to heaven. Well, guess what? That's all over with. Jesus went to the cross. He paid the price. It's now finished. And now it's by faith, or I should say by grace, through faith, that salvation comes. Not works so that somebody can get proud about whatever it is that they do or don't do. Are you with me? I mean, if it were not for the grace of God, none of us would qualify. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So the only thing you and I can rely on, praise God, is the sufficiency that comes from Him and what it is that He's done for us. Glory to God. But notice this verse of Scripture here, uh, talking about the righteousness which is of faith uh, and what it says in verse 8. It says, this word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That's the word of faith which we preach that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, or that Jesus is Lord, and will believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart, everybody say with the heart, with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Amen. Well, what does that mean? I mean, you start talking about with the heart man believes. You know, a lot of people say, well, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. He was, you know, you know, but there's no heart behind it. It's an intellectual academic exercise. I, I've just, I choose to believe. But in other words, there's nothing heartfelt about that confession. Are you listening to me? But, you know, you'll run into a person, you can, and you'll learn. You'll, they'll talk with you, and they'll say, you know, I discovered that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. And I repented, and I gave my heart everything that I am to Him, and He changed my life forever. There's a difference. And not only that, but for that second person I just described, their lifestyle will change. 
the person that says, oh, yeah, I believe in God. But their lifestyle doesn't change. Their nature hasn't changed. They're still just as much in sin as they always were. Do you know the distinction between the two? For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, because it'll bring about a permanent change in your life when you believe on him. Amen. But it's with the heart that we believe unto righteousness, and with our mouth we declare, praise God, that Jesus is Lord. Does that make sense? So when we read this scripture, what we discover here is an important principle, and that is simply, you know, praise God, that again, faith is of the heart. Look with me. Let's go over to uh, Mark chapter 5, and let's look at an incident here that will bear this out in another, uh, another way, different from salvation. Hallelujah. Notice with me Mark chapter 5. Uh, Jesus is going about his, his daily ministry and things. A man by the name of Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, you know, uh, arrested his attention, talked to him about a need he had in his life, about his daughter that was sick. They were on their way to minister to this daughter. And let's pick it up here in verse 25. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood, she'd been hemorrhaging uh, for 12 years. She'd suffered many things of many physicians, spent all that she'd had, and was nothing better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind and touched his garment, for she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I will be whole. Hallelujah. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone from him, turned himself in the pre- or turned about in the press and said, "Who touched my clothes?" And the disciples said to him, "You see the multitude thronging you, man. What are you talking about? Who touched me?" And he looked around uh, to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell but down before him, and he told him and told him all the truth. And he said to her, "Daughter." What's the next two words? Thy faith, your faith, has made thee whole. Hallelujah. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Praise God. I tell you what, did you know that faith can turn your hopeless situations around? This woman was in a hopeless situation. She had spent everything that she had. No one could help her. I mean, she's at the end. But thank God she heard of Jesus. How many of you know you can hear of Jesus and he can turn hopeless situations around? Glory to, I mean, if he did it for her, he can do it for you or he can do it for me. But there's something particular I want you to notice. Notice with me in these scriptures, verse 28, it says, For she said. Now just hold that in your mind for a moment. And you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to go back over here to Matthew's uh, uh, narrative of this same incident. In verse 20 and 21, there was a woman that was diseased um, with an issue of blood 12 years, came behind him, touched the hem of his garment. Now listen to this. For she said within herself. Did you hear me? She said within herself, if I may touch his garment, I shall be made whole. In other words, this that she had said came from within her innermost being, from her heart. She said within herself, if she said, if I can touch his garment, I'll be made whole. And that's the difference between Bible faith and head faith. She believed something. And she decided that if I can get to him, I will. The Bible says she came in the press behind. It was probably the least path of resistance for her to make her way up to him. And when she touched him, praise God, the power of God came out of him, went into her, and made her whole. Now, that's an interesting thing because the power of God is tangible. She felt in her body. And he felt that virtue had gone from him. So he stopped and said, oh, now there, right there, something happened. His disciples, oblivious, 
They're going, man, dude, we're just trying to provide crowd control. What do you mean here? But it was a different kind of touch. And it was a touch that came from what she said within her, if I can touch him, I'll be made whole. And with the hand of faith, she reached out and received an impossible circumstance and situation that was turned around in her life. And the same faith can do the same thing for you and me. Glory be to God forevermore. Hallelujah. So it's important for us to understand, you know, what Bible faith is, that it's of the heart and not the head. Glory to God. Now, I remember, um, and Deanna can attest to this, we were trying to get our building finished back in 1980 four or five, and we needed $40,000 in order to have this thing done. And we didn't have it. And it wasn't looking like we were going to get it. So, I, you know, I said, we got to pray. And so we, I went to praying, and I just, you know, and the word of the Lord, thank God for the word of the Lord, came to me and said, you'll have the 40000 in 90 days. So I came out of my prayer room, and I told my secretary, guess what? God's going to give us $40,000. And I tell you what, it sounded crazy. I mean, if you understood the, the, the cash flow and everything's going on, uh, this was not normal. Okay? But, I ha you know, when you get a word from God, how do we get a word from God? We get in the book. We let the book get in us. And that book starts changing, hallelujah, what we believe. So I get this word from God. And I just told her we're going to have 40000 you know, by the, in 90 days. So then, this was during the week, so on Sunday I told the congregation, you know, the word of the Lord came to me, he spoke to my heart, we're going to have 40000 you know, in 90 days. You know, and, and a lot of times when you make a statement like that, you know, people go, yeah, right, okay, praise the Lord. We're for you, Pastor. But I declared it. See, if you believe in your heart and you say with your mouth, you will have what you say. Now, here's the thing you need to understand, that there's always a battle of the time lapse between when you believe you receive and when it shows up. And I, I don't know, probably was Monday, maybe Tuesday of that week, and I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. And it, and it came in this insidious voice, just like the devil. I'm minding my own business. I'm rejoicing. Praise God. God's good. Life's good. We're all good. And all of a sudden, I hear this voice, you know, just in, you know, in my thinking. And he says, you don't really think that God is going to give you $40,000 in 40 days or 90 days. Do you? It was just like that. Do you? And for a moment, I entertain that. And I'm thinking to myself, and then all of a sudden, I caught myself. Thank God I caught myself. And I answered it out loud. I said, no, devil. I don't think that God is going to give us 40,000 in 90 days. He's, <laughs> I know he's going to give us 40,000 in 90 days. Never had another problem. And in 90 days, $51,000 came into this church. Yeah, over and above. Yeah, that's right. Woo! That's a good testimony. Yeah? And God will do the same thing for us. You know, if you've got a need, how many of you know God wants to meet it? He wants to bring about change. Glory to God. But you know, Bible faith is something that carries with it an inward conviction. And the only place you can get that from is from the Word of God. You know, the Bible says, you know, in, in Colossians, for example, 3 and 16, it says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you. How? Does anybody know? Richly. Richly. The Bible in Ephesians talks about the washing of the water of the Word of God. You know, and, and this is where we miss it. It, it you know, people mistake the simple fact that if we would just, for a lack of a better way of saying it, discipline ourselves to get into the book and let the book get in us, everything else would take care of itself. It would change the way you think. But we want shortcuts. We don't, well, you know, I ain't got time for that. Or I mean, you know, I got other things or whatever, whatever. Well, then you're at a deficiency. Okay, I would liken it in terms of an example of, um, you know, if you've got a 100-pound problem and you only got 25-pound faith, I don't care how much you tug and shout and, 
you know, run and do whatever, guess what? Your 100-pound problem is not moving. Huh? Until I get in excess of 100 pounds, quote-unquote, of faith, that thing's staying right where it's at. Huh? But if I can, you know, if I'll develop, if I'll, you know, trust God, believe, get the Word of God on the inside of me, become strong in the Lord and in the power to have strong faith, then I can get to the place where, praise God, I can move the mountain with this thing called faith. And again, the way it simply comes is that you and I just expose our beady little eyes, especially to the New Testament. So now we're not struggling, we're not trying, we're not, you know, all jazzed up and everything like that or knotted up, praise God. We're just feeding on the Word of God and letting the Word of God become our strength. Are you listening to me? And all the while, we're doing whatever it is that we need to be doing, you know, as God leads us, directs us, guides us, and so on and so forth. Does that make sense to you? For example, I'll talk to you about this, you know, uh, the idea that God wants you to prosper, now, I grew up in a, in a home that um, um, m- my dad made a living, but it was anything but prosperous because he had a problem with alcohol and he drank most of it, you know. So anytime any revenue or whatever came, you know, it was being spent on other things. And so, so you, you get conditioned, you know, because of the environment that you grow up in. So when I got saved and I was 19 years old, I started to learn what the Bible had to say, and I learned that God wanted to prosper me. But you've got to understand, I'm living my life from the point of reference, the only one I know, okay? And so this is all new to me, and, I, and I, I can't get my head wrapped around it, you know? Want to, you know? You know, people say, oh, that's too good to be true. No, well, it's true. God wants to bless you. Coming in, going out. He's not opposed to people having things. He's opposed to things having people. Are you with me? So, 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 that, so I guess, what am I trying to say here? You know, I had a quest. I had, I had to work through all of this to change the way I not only thought, but what I believed. Are you with me? And that took some time. But little by little, steady, steady, God would continue, you know, to to give me his word and teach me what it is that he has to, you know, his will on the matter. And that's the other thing about it. You know, I get about so far down the road and somebody said, well, that's not what that means. You know, God doesn't want, you know, you don't have any guarantee that God's going to, you know, bless you financially or, you know, from a resource standpoint or anything like that, you know. I mean, God will bless you spiritually, but that's all the further it goes. Well, that's a lie. But I believed it. Because you know what you do is you say, well, they must be right. Because look, after all, my circumstances are not the best. So maybe what they're saying is true. And so you go down the road and you got to, you know, get that all behind you, you know. And, and the thing about it is, is sometimes you get it behind you and you still have another assault. Somebody well-meaning, you know, they come along. But, you know, I mean, praise God, thank God I finally got enough of the Word of God on the inside of me to realize that what they had to say wasn't true and what he had to say was. These are hindrances to you having faith, you know. You may not even know that truth. I didn't know that truth. I mean, I got saved. I didn't know nothing about God's will for my life. On a lot, I mean, you, you name it, I didn't know it. You know what I'm saying? So the only way I can come to know his will is by my having the Word of God revealed to me. Isn't that right? I didn't know nothing about salvation till somebody pitched me the gospel, you know, and said, hey, if you'll call on the name of the Lord, you can be saved. I finally got to the place where I did that. And then they talked about being filled with the Holy Ghost. Then they talked about being able to walk in peace. Then they talked about how you could be healed. Then they talked about, praise God, you can have, you know, uh, your needs met. This is good news. But I tell you, it's amazing how many well-meaning people will come along and try to defeat what it is that I just got done talking to you about. Are you with me? But thank God, praise God, when you know the truth, the truth will make you free. I remember the, uh, the father of, you know, I guess spiritual father, um, Kenneth E. Hagin, he talked about, you know, when he got a revelation of these things, uh, he didn't have two nickels to rub together. The tires on his car was wore out. I mean, he didn't have nothing, but he kept preaching it. 
And people, I'm sure they looked at him, they probably thought, you're nuts. But I tell you what, praise God, the end of his life, and not even at the end, but I mean, you know, he got to going, and I want you to know, praise God, he had resource, resource, resource. And he used it for the advancement of the kingdom of God and did a, a lot of amazing things. But here's my point. You know, there's always going to be naysayers. There's always going to be people saying you can't. But I tell you what, praise God, the Bible says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Hallelujah. So, <clears throat> and, and there's all kinds of things you deal with. You know, let's say, for example, you, 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 know, you, you find a scripture in the Bible that says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. That's a good scripture. Huh? And another scripture says, my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. Woo! You know, we get excited. You know, I'm going to believe God for that. Well, a lot of times, you know, what will happen is, is that people will believe God, you know, to help them. But then when nothing happens in the natural, they grow discouraged. They say, well, you know, I guess that wasn't what he meant. Or it doesn't work for you. It's working for them, not you. Okay? You know, somehow or another. And you got to understand all of this is set on fire of hell. Because the devil only has one purpose, and that is to destroy you and enslave you if he can. And the only way he can do that is through deception. And all deception is is when you believe a lie. Okay? You know, if I want to deceive somebody, all I got to do is talk to them long enough about whatever it is that I'm wanting to get into their head with, and pretty soon they'll come to a point where, well, you must be right. Well, that's why there's the washing of the water of the Word of God. That's why we're to renew our minds to the Word of God, so that we change the way that we think based upon what the Bible says and what it is that God has promised, and it's a process, and the more, praise God, that we use our faith, the greater it becomes. Hallelujah. You know, and here's another thing. You know, you find a scripture that says God wants to bless you, wants to prosper you. You know, and people say, I'm in. Come on now. But a lot of times people lack practical knowledge. In other words, you have to ask yourself, how is this going to happen? Because the last time I checked, money does not rain down out of heaven. Huh? Any of you got any trees in your backyard where there's money growing on it? No. There's a means of exchange, and I don't have time to get into all of that. But, you know, sometimes people just, you know, they lack practical knowledge. In other words, they have no skill set or, or, um, or expertise. You know, if you're an expert in something, somebody will pay you for it. I mean, if it's got any value to it. Are you with me? And so you have to, you have to learn. And, and in other words, you have knowledge that makes you valuable to other people. Okay? So, so I'm going to make myself more valuable by learning more. It, it, Joe McGee was here. This dude was, a, you know, backwoods, barefooted guy running around Tennessee someplace. But he would figure out ways to get people's jobs, and he just went up, 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 and up, and up. Why? Because he learned. I can do this. You know, he, you can listen to his story. You know, it's great. But that's important, you know. Um, and here's another thing. You know, um, a lot of times people, you know, they'll, they'll hear the Bible. It says God wants to bless you, wants to prosper you, but they never learn how to handle money. We're talking about just a practical knowledge. You know, if, if you spend everything you have, you're in trouble. And, and I hear this all the time. Guys in our church, you know, they have businesses and they, they hire these guys. And so they say, well, listen, you, I'll pay you X amount of dollars, you know, for the week. And at the end of the week, I'll give you a paycheck and whatever. They say, I'm in. So they work for a week. They get a paycheck. Monday morning, next week starts. They're nowhere. Because why? Because they said, well, I have money. I don't need to work. You know? Well, what happens? They go spend all their money, and not only now do they not have no work or no money, they got no work. You know, you're with me. So, and, and that's pretty simplistic, but I, you know, what we do here is we keep working. We don't spend all that we have. We lay aside, we set aside, we save. You know, when I first got saved, man, saving was not cool because Jesus is coming. Send, you know, spend, spend, the Lord shall send. You know, and it was, it was foolish 
you know? Because they said, well, I, you know, he's coming in 1988. Well, guess what? I don't care if you do have 88 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1988. We're past that. And I'm still here. It was bad information. Okay? And so these are just practical things, you know, that uh, um, we need to understand. Hopefully, hopefully that's... Uh, Helpful to you. And again, we're talking about God's desires in your life. But let's just say that your circumstance continues to at least seem like that what God has promised isn't happening. Well, what do we have here? We have a deficiency where his word's concerned. Amen. Because I know this much about it. God wants to prosper me and he will bless the work of my hand. So I'm going to get after it. Praise God. And I'm going to position myself so that when the time comes, glory to God, the blessing of God can come my way. I'm ready. Are you with me? A lot of people, they're not ready. They'll say, well, you know, I'm, you know when it happens, then I'll do something. Wrong. Get ready. What can I do now in order for his blessing to come into my life? Am I in the right house? Okay. So it's important for us to understand that. So, you know, um, and, and the thing about it is talking about all these things, you work through these situations, all the while you continue to feed on the Word of God, surround yourself with, you know, good teaching, good Word, and people that believe like you do. Dude, you don't, know, you don't need people that don't believe like you, huh? Because they're not going to help you. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 5. I can't believe it's already 806. That's not right. Ecclesiastes... You say, where's that at? It's in your Bible. No, actually, it's after uh, Proverbs. You say, well, I don't even know where that's at. <laughs> okay, go to the table of contents and get to looking. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Look at this verse of Scripture. Verse 18, Ecclesiastes 5 and 18. Behold, that which I have seen, it is good, hallelujah, and the New Living or New International Version says proper. I like that. It is good and comely or proper for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor that he takes under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives to him. Listen, for it is his what? It's your portion. Now notice verse 19. Every man also to whom God has given riches and wealth and has given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor. This is the what? Of who? Of God. There's nothing wrong with you and your family and your, you know, your people enjoying a good life. Okay? Poverty's not a blessing. Lack is not, it's a curse. You know? And there's plenty. The Bible says the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Why should the devil's kids have all the stuff? Are you with me? They don't apologize for it, you know. And so it's important for us. And, and all of this is really, again, changing the way that we think. Are you with me? To think bigger, you know, than maybe what we thought before. Hallelujah. Amen. I could talk about that point for a long time because so much of the time you guys were small-minded. We got these, you know, well, if I can just make it through. God doesn't want you to just make it through. God wants you to have a full supply, more than enough. But you have to think that way. Are you with me? Amen. Well, you know, I'm just going to coast on my laurels. Don't do that. That doesn't work out either. Praise God. So... The Bible kind of faith or the God kind of faith is released by the things we say, the things we do. Hallelujah. You know, I'll give you a great example of that. You, you probably got loved ones and they're not living right. Okay, so you're praying for them. Well, God bless you. That's good. But what do you say about them? Huh? You know, when you see their misbehavior, when you see this, that, or the other, what do you say? Well, I get angry. I get upset. I say, you knothead, what are you doing, you know? Or who knows how it manifests itself. Well, what you do when you do that is you, you, you just cut your faith, or you cut the legs out from underneath your faith when you do it. Because if, in fact, we believe that God is moving in that person's life, then we're going to stop talking like that. Am I in the right house? 
You know, Dad Hagen, the guy I mentioned to you earlier, he talked about a woman, you know, that came up and uh, was talking, uh, a woman that came up and was uh, talking about her daughter, you know, and he just asked her, he says, what do you say about your daughter? You know, she said, well, I'm praying. You know, I'm praying all the time. She's not changing all this and that and the other. He says, what are you saying about her? Well, you know, I'm, you know, telling her that she needs to be in church, you know, and she's going to, you know, not end up in heaven and all this and that and the other. He says, stop telling her anything like that. Pray for, believe God, and let God be the one. This was actually a son now that I think about it. Pretty soon, you know, the guy, he'd go out and party all night long, run like a bunch of hounds, you know, all night long, come home, you know. And one, in one morning, he, and so she started doing what he told him, believing God, really believing God. And one morning, he woke up at 7 o'clock. He got home at 4 o'clock, woke up at 7 o'clock. He says, uh, Mom, you know, if you're going to make breakfast, I'd like to have someone going to church with you. And she goes, oh, now, darling, come on now. You know, you've been up really late. You know, you got school tomorrow. You know, you might want to, you know, uh, sleep. In. No, I want to go to church. And I'll tell you what, that kid went two, three times, and on a Sunday night he gave his heart to Jesus and got born again. Amen. But we negate so many things that we're believing for because we see when we don't see it, then we start talking. Are you listening to me? That's what faith is, praise God. You know, and that's, I said this last week, and I'm trying to bring this to a close because we're running out of time. But so many people, you know, they're saying what they have instead of having what they say. You know, we're to believe the best in those around us. Praise God, Father, I thank you for my children. I thank you for my cousin. I thank you for my uncle or whoever it is. Praise God that your grace is resting upon him. I thank you, Lord, for sending labors into their path so that they can be ta taught the word of God, find out the truth of God's word, how much you love them, you know, and this and that and the other. Isn't that a whole lot better? I said, isn't that a whole lot better? In other words, you know, if we really want to see God affect situations, then we do have to stand in that gap. But those are the things that, that need to happen. So, you know, if you see it all go sideways, you know, and they're, I mean, you know, you just have to say, well, you know what? Praise God, I'm not moved. I still believe that my God is able to reach into that person's life and bring about a change. That's faith. Hallelujah. You know, I mean, my family, I got family members, and I tell you what, they're all ornery. But you know, my dad got saved two days before he died on his deathbed in a hospital. Are you with me? But now I got all these brothers, and they're in the same boat. You know, they don't know God from Adam. But I'm believing God for him. And thank God, you know, one brother, he runs into a woman, you know, his life gets wrecked. He runs into this Pentecostal, you know, tongue-talking, believing woman, and he ends up getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost and living for God. Now I got another older brother. I led him to, to the Lord on his deathbed. That Kind of tight, you know. I mean, than what I'd really like. But, you know, I just finally said, you know, Jim, we need to talk about spiritual things. Yeah, I think you're right. You know. But people can be real stubborn. You know. And, and here's the thing you have to understand. It's just because they don't know any better. Are you with me? So I'll tell you what, praise God. You know, in Acts chapter 16, 31, it says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you and your house will be saved. So I use that. I say, man, my house is coming into the kingdom. Mama's there, Raymond's there. Of course, Ray, I mean, you know, he's dancing all over the place. Hallelujah. You know. And so um, that's just, you know, but I have to do it um, God's way. And so do you. Amen. Praise God. I think we're done. Well, yeah. Gosh, I got a lot of good stuff here, man. You know, you know, you know. How many glad you came? I got to quit. Dang it. Yeah, I got to quit. You got time? Two more minutes? Can I give you just two more minutes? This will help you. You know, talking about faith and Bible faith, I, I made reference to the scripture. I'll do it real quick. Ephesians 2 and 8, you, you write it down. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourself, it's a gift from God. Not of works lest any man should boast. Now listen, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. But now if you're a person 
and you grew up in your history with poor or bad self-esteem. Are you with me? Maybe you got an identity crisis, you know, maybe you come from a broken family. Dude, that'll jack with your world. Huh? And I, and I say it, in, it, it jacks with it in a negative kind of way. But here's the thing you have to understand, that when you give your heart to Jesus Christ, everything changes. Not only does your nature change, but your future does too. And if you, and if you, if you never learn, if you never understand, you stay tied and chained to your past. And yet there are scriptures just like the one I read here that says that you are the workmanship of God in Christ Jesus. Guess what? God don't make no junk. Are you with me? So I don't care what somebody said to you. I, I was thinking about, um, I don't know if it was a, a um, I don't remember where this came from, but it was talking about this one little kid and, you know, his parents, especially his dad. Oh, I know who it was. It was a, a real popular guy. Oh, he infiltrated, well, he got into the FBI. Did any of you happen to see this documentary? This guy grew up as a kid in a house and his dad kept telling him, you'll never amount to anything, you'll never amount to anything, never amount to anything, you're no good, whatever. Well, this guy gets into, before it's over with, he gets in law enforcement, he's a smart guy. Gets in law enforcement, gets into the FBI and becomes a uh, um, spy for Russia. And dude, he's doing all this stuff and, and, and nobody knows anything. They know they got a mole. They can't find him. This guy gets in. He, this guy ended up on the mole team to find the mole. And he is the mole. So he knows everything that's going on, you know? And, and, and they, they basically tie all of his behavior and everything when he got caught and whatnot. It's all tied back to what his parents said, about, particularly his dad because he, he never could get any affirmation or anything from him. So, you know, those things mess with your world. But I'm telling you what, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. And old things pass away, and thank God all things become new. Now, that might be quite a battle for you. Because, you know, you, these things, they get so deep-seated. Uh, you know, the Bible makes reference to pulling down strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So if you have a self-esteem problem, that's the way you have, to, you have to attack it. I'm a new creation in him. I'm his workmanship. I don't care what you say, devil. I'm not staying where I am. You, you with me? And that's the thing that faith can do for us. Glory to God. Because, you know, self-condemnation. So many people are condemned. But the Bible says there is therefore now no, no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. So that becomes your battle. You take the word of God, you beat the devil out of your life and say, don't you ever come back. Are you with me? You know, uh, because here's the thing. You know, the devil say, you don't deserve this. You're, you're unworthy, you know. And, and the thing is, is if people don't get a hold of the truth, then, then they, they, they consent, they agree. You're right, I'm worthless, I'll never whatever, whatever. But what they need to do is find out the truth and they can say, you know what, I am not worthy. But thank God he is worthy. And he took my place, praise God, so that I wouldn't have to live like this anymore. So get thee behind me, devil. Are you with me? These are the things that can bring about change in your life. And not only that, praise God, but release you into the freedom that God. It's the word of God, the truth that sets people free. Let's everybody stand up. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, I got a little more out of me. You know, you sit around all day and you think about this stuff. You could preach for hours by the time you get, you know, I can't wait for 7 o'clock to come. Come on, get done with the music. Let's go. Come on. We're ready. Hallelujah. Let's close our eyes together for just a moment. Praise God. Father, uh, this evening we're so grateful, Father, for what you've done. That you've made us everything that we are in Christ Jesus. That God's such a gracious and wonderful plan that you have laid out for every human being. Praise God. You said, Father, you weren't willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and receive everlasting life. Father, for tonight... For those of us, praise God, that are here and perhaps those that are watching by internet, uh, we've made this decision, we've come to know, and God, I ask you to help every one of us 
Father, if we're that person, like the woman with the issue of blood, and we seem to be in a hopeless situation, God, help us to believe that faith can turn our hopeless situation around. Father God, if we've been discouraged somehow or another by just our surroundings, our circumstances, what people have said or not said, God, may we apply this truth to our lives tonight, that you said you'd never leave us or forsake us, and that you're on our side, you're for us. Father, I pray, Father, for people that may be struggling with whatever, but Lord, I ask you to lead them by your Spirit into your word so that they can discover the truth that will set them free. And I thank you for your blessing, Father, in every person's life. Hallelujah. Let's just make this confession of our faith together. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I receive it as my own. And I believe your every word. You are the way maker. You keep your promise. You are the light in my darkness. And I thank you for your blessing within my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen. You may be seated.